It's been 26 weeks already. 26. Let's see if we're going here. I'm patient. Um, We've been going through this series in John. Decent exposure, we called it. Uh, we've been we've been doing this, like I said, for 26 weeks, and uh, we're on week 27. And I feel like if there's there's a couple of things that should be familiar to you by this point. And if they're not familiar to you, then we've definitely done you a disservice. Do we have? Um, there we go. Close. There we go. All right. Hey, give it up for uh, Carl back there. He's doing a great job. I, I definitely throw, threw him a good curveball this morning, so uh, he's, he's handling it pretty well. Um, first of all, this verse should be familiar to you. John twenty thirty one. We haven't gotten there yet, um, but we've definitely hit on it a few times. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, this verse should look familiar to you because this is John telling us why he wrote the book. He wrote this whole book so that you, so that I, so that everyone who picks it up and reads it will believe. So that should be familiar to you. Second of all, this word right here, believe, should also be familiar to you. That should, you should go, oh yeah, I've seen that word tons of times. Because clearly that's the theme. John tells us, hey, this book is all about believe. And if you look through the book of John, that word is in there time after time after time. And even as we dive into this passage, it's going to be in there time after time. So as you read, as you listen, continue to listen for that word believe. Hopefully that looks familiar to you. And then one other thing that I feel like you should know after 26 weeks of John, or hopefully by the time we're done with the book, is why Jesus came. Why was he here? That should be something that you should be able to know after studying the book of John and go, oh yeah, here's why. I, I, I hope so. And hopefully today we'll, we'll give you a little bit more ammo in that direction. All right. It's 6 o'clock p.m. You're sitting at home and you hear the doorbell ring. Hey, you're about to sit down for dinner or whatever you're doing at 6 o'clock. Push-ups, I don't know. Um, and you hear the doorbell ring. And you go and open the door and you see this. Okay. Give me some emotions that you're feeling as you see this guy standing here. Why did I open the door again? Why did I open the door again? What? I'm hearing a lot of stuff at once. I don't have time for this. Okay. What else? I'm nervous because I don't want to be rude. Not again. <laughs> what? I already know Jesus. <laughs> Probably the biggest question on your mind as you're seeing this guy standing here is, why is he here? You know, you're kind of like looking over at his little notepad like, okay, is there like some logo on there that I recognize? Um, does he have a magazine with him? Uh, what is the deal? When I was uh, living up in Washington... This one kid, he was probably 14, 15 years old, um, comes up to my door and tries to make, like, build this relationship with me before he tells me what he's selling, you know? And, of course, you know, being a, a youth guy, I get so sucked in that by the time he's, like, ready to pitch something to me, I'm like, absolutely, whatever you say, I'm going to buy. I'm, I'm just sold at this point. And he's selling these, like, magazine subscriptions. Um, and, of course, they're just, like, way overpriced. You know, it's, like, only $10 an issue. I'm like, wow, what a great deal. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I go and, and talk to Laura, and I try to talk her into it. And she's like, Ben, we're broke. We don't have money for magazines. 
I'm like, I know, but this guy's really nice. And she's like, just give him like $10 or something. And so I, I go over and I hand him 10 bucks, and he's like, really? I'm like, sorry. I felt so bad, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just hard sometimes, you know, and like a lot of you said, you almost just don't want to deal with somebody like that. I don't even want to know why you're here. You know, I just want to skip past things. But I think you might be feeling a little bit different if you showed up to your house looking like this. <laughs> right? <laughs> then you might invite him in for a cup of tea and, hey, let's hang out, you know, let's get to know each other a little bit. Please. My name is uh, John Q. Public, or whatever it says on the check. It's a little bit different. Knowing why he's here makes all the difference in the world. Same kind of thing. Knowing why Jesus came can change absolutely everything. So like I said, we'd be showing you disservice if you left having no clue why Jesus came. Now, this is called decent exposure, and there's just a lot of stuff in here. And as Dave and I talked about this passage, we both recognized that there's a number of different verses that we can spend an entire week on just that one verse. I've got one of the shortest verses in the Bible in this passage. It's John 11:35. Jesus wept. Unfortunately, that's not your memory verse this week. Uh, but hopefully some of you just memorized it. Um, and I could easily just go and talk about that one verse for a whole week. But this is decent exposure. So I tried to get the big picture and, and nail this down. And you know what I'm going to do is uh, give you the answer to this question. Why was he here? I'm going to give it to you right now. And it's on your uh, insert as well. If you have your bulletin, go ahead and pull out that insert. It's right there. Jesus came so that you might believe. That's it. Thank you. No, just kidding. <laughs> I've got a little bit more to say. Um, but if you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that. Jesus came so that you might believe. This is absolutely simple. And yet at the same time, one of the most difficult things to understand. Because this word believe, it's not a simple word. Although a lot of people try to play it off as, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, and toss out that word, belief has a lot to it. Take a look at what the dictionary says about the word believe. Believe, to have confidence in the truth, the existence or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. Belief is huge. We toss out this word believe so often and so comfortably because we have a lot more confidence than this. We have a lot of confidence in going, oh yeah, I believe that my mechanic's doing a good job. Well, because he has to. And if he doesn't, you're able to like go back and at least get your money back. If not, you can go to the Better Business Bureau. You can sue him. I mean, there's so many things set up to take care of you in case he doesn't. So there's not really this idea of no absolute proof that one is right in doing so. Yeah, I believe in my mechanic as well. Because if he messes up, it's on him. I'm safe. But belief, as it really should be, is something a little bit more challenging. It's taking a risk. It's, it's, it's jumping out and going, man, I sure hope I'm right. And I'm not sure that I am. Not having absolute proof that one is right in doing so. I want you to catch that. This is life-changing. Jesus wants you... Jesus wants more from you than just a belief in his existence. I like the way John Eldridge describes it in his book, Walking with God. And I don't like doing shameless plugs, but I'm going to do a shameless plug because this book has been, has been fantastic for me. 
So if you haven't read it, pick it up. It's great. It's just his journals through a year of walking with God. Take a look up on the screen while I read this to you, what he says. Most Christians assume that the way to find the life God has for us is to A, believe in God, B, be a good person, and C, he will deliver the rest. A plus B equals C. But Jesus says, no, there's more to the equation. I wanted to talk to you today about that more to this equation. As I studied the passage in John, I found Jesus pushing people who already believed to a deeper faith. I pray that you will be pushed just as I have while I've been studying this. God, I'm just thankful for your word and thankful for the opportunity to just dive in and be challenged, be pushed, be made a little uncomfortable. And God, I ask that you will just make us all uncomfortable this morning as we wrestle with what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you've got three little blank fill-ins, and uh, here comes number one. Believe in his plan. We're going to look at three different ways that Jesus wanted the people to believe, that he wants you and me to believe, that pushes beyond the basic simplicity of faith. Believe in his plan. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 11. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 21. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you were going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. I can see Jesus kind of rolling his eyes right here. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, guys. Come on, wake up. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Too often we think we know better than God. That if God only did things that we wanted, everything would be so much better. God, if you would just give me a raise, my life would be better. God, everything would be going fantastic if you'd make my kids behave better. Or, God, you need to make this person like me. This is the best person for me, and there's no one better. So please let them ask me out on a date, or let them say yes when I ask them out on a date, because it's going to be fantastic, and you don't know any better than that. God, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's the problem with this way of thinking. Take a look at this verse. Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways 
God saying this, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a plan we don't often see or understand. But we are going to be so much better for that. The hard times and the good times are there to draw us closer to Jesus. To help us realize our need for him in our daily life. Some examples from the Bible. Job. Job had some hard times. Job was wealthy. Job had a great family. Job had beautiful daughters. Job was a man that loved God, that did his best to worship him. And God stripped it all away. Took away everything he owned. Let his family die. And even allowed Job to endure this horrible, horrible sickness. And I I love what Dave said is that, you know, here we are sitting on this side, getting the whole Bible, and, and we get the end of the story. So we know why Job's dealing with this. But he has no clue. He doesn't know that there's a happy ending. He's not in the midst of a Disney movie, you know. It's not for sure. And so here he is dealing with this. And we see at the end that God took him through all of this so that Job could learn that he wasn't good enough on his own, that he needed God. We look at Joseph. Joseph went through a bunch of garbage. He was sold by his brothers. They tried to kill him or thought about killing him. They're like, nah, we'll get some money for him instead. We'll sell him. I know I picked on my sisters, but I don't think I ever went that far. Um, Then he gets accused of something he didn't do. He gets thrown in jail. He gets forgotten in jail. And yet during this whole time, God's grooming him. God's growing him up. God's got a plan. And he ends up putting him number two in command right behind Pharaoh to save not only Egypt, but also his family, all of Israel from this famine that's coming. Zechariah. I love the story of Zechariah. Zechariah is uh, the father of John the Baptist. And uh, when this angel comes to Zechariah and says, hey, guess what? Your wife's going to have a kid. She was older, and he didn't believe what the angel was saying. So the angel said, all right, you don't believe me? You don't get to talk until your kid's born. I would definitely have had a very hard time with that. Um, And yet, here he is enduring this period of silence, but it's bringing him to a point of making him trust God. You see that these people go through this hard stuff, not just because God likes to torment them, but it's always for their betterment, for good. God causes all things to work together for good. Not everything is good, but he causes it all to work for good. I was at um, the Young Women's Purity Conference yesterday as a youth pastor. I know I'm not a woman. Um, And I heard the story of lady after lady after lady that had been through just some of the hardest times. Some of them made some bad choices. Some of them just were put in horrible situations. And yet, here they were, every single one of them standing up there, talking to over 200 young women and encouraging them and using their story to minister to other people. Now, as they were going through those tough times, they had no idea why God was doing that. But God was bringing them them through this so that they could help other people in the future. Myself, I've had story after story, tough time after tough time, 
And in the midst of it, I'm always like, why, God? Why? And yet I've learned time after time that God just has a beautiful plan. There's a challenge to this, though. It's coming to believe in this. Take a look at Mary and Martha. We know the end of the story. I mean, Dave gave it away. Many of you have already heard it. That Lazarus rises from the dead. And so we're looking at, you know, Mary and Martha. Man, they're crying and stuff. And Jesus cries too. And we're like, what's the deal? Don't they know? He's going to rise from the dead. Hello, this is Jesus. He can do anything. But they had no clue. And here they are dealing with this fact that their brother was dead. And they knew that if Jesus had come earlier, he could have healed Lazarus and he would be alive. Here they are dealing with this horrible, horrible thing. And yet so clearly in the Scripture, Jesus points to this time after time. In verse 4 he says, This sickness will not end in death. No, why? It is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And then in verse 15 he says, For your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. And then he said, two more times in the passage, it mentions this happened so that people would come and believe. He's pushing them to believe even when it's difficult. I know you've experienced pain as well. Some of it you may be able to look back and go, I know why I went through that. And I can see God's hand in that to bring me to where I am today. Some pain you may look at and go, I have no idea why God did this. And it's challenging to say, I believe that God's got something good. It is really difficult to say that sometimes. But God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. My encouragement is to trust him. His plan is the best for you. Take a look at this verse. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm going to have the band come up and play his song. They're going to be coming up and down I love music and I love the way that some of these songs minister. And I want you to pay attention to this song. God desires to give you the best. But you have to believe that he has that for you. You have to trust his plan and know that he's got good. How do you respond to it, though? How do you respond in the midst of of that pain in the midst of that sorrow. Listen to this song.
surround me and sustain me, my defender forevermore. When hope is lost, I call you Savior. When pain surrounds, I call you When silence falls, you'll be the song within my heart. And I will praise you, I will praise you. And when the tears fall, still I will sing to you. And I will praise you. And Jesus praise you and through the suffering still I will sing and when the laughter fails to comfort my heart aches, Lord, are you there? When confusion is all around me And the darkness is my closest friend Still I will praise you, Jesus praise you When hope is lost, I call you Savior. When pain surrounds, I call you healer. And when silence falls, you'll be the song within my heart. And I will praise you. I will praise you, and when the tears fall, still I will sing to you, and I will praise you, and Jesus praise you, through the suffering, still I will sing to you, Like I said, it's not easy to pray. It's not easy to be able to say, when pain surrounds, I'll call you Savior. But that's what Jesus is pushing Martha, is pushing Mary to say. In the midst of this pain, believe in my plan. So let me ask, do you believe in his plan? Do you believe Jesus has your best in mind? Blank filling number two, believe in his position. Believe in his position. And I'm talking about two different things. I'm talking about who Jesus is. First of all, Jesus' deity. In other words, Jesus is God. Now, Martha, I think Martha gets a bum rap. Um, Let's go ahead and read 21 to 36, and then I'll talk a little bit about poor Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. 
And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was to go to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, like I said, I think Martha gets a bum rap. Some of you may be familiar with the other story in the Bible featuring Mary and Martha. And uh, in this story, Martha's working to try to make this meal for Jesus because Jesus is over at their house. And she's working busily and trying to get everything together. And Mary is sitting and listening to Jesus. And Martha's upset at Mary. She's like, Mary should be helping me. This is our house. We're the hostesses. We need to be, you know, working to get everything taken care of. I can't do this all on my own. I need a little bit of help. And Jesus kind of scolds Martha and says, Mary's exactly where she needs to be, right at my feet. You need to learn that this is what's important. And then here again, Martha comes and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, and Jesus kind of says some stuff to her and challenges her. And when Mary comes and says the same thing, Jesus cries with her. And you kind of feel like, man, Martha's like not getting it or whatever. But I really think as I, as I look at Martha and look at what she's doing, that she's really trying. She's just kind of missing a little bit. I mean, she's really... I think she had really good intentions in trying to prepare this great feast for Jesus. She just didn't quite get it. And here again, I think she had really good intentions. And I see Martha's shining moment right here when Jesus challenges her. He's pushing her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha takes a huge jump. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Now, earlier in this passage, Jesus' disciples were like, are you sure you want to go that way? The people were trying to stone you. Well, they were, stoning, they were wanting to stone him because he said... I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And here Martha's saying exactly the same thing with the same people around her. She's making a big leap. She's risking her life. She's throwing it all out there. She's decided to believe in Jesus unlimited, in the unlimited Jesus, instead of believing in Jesus in a box. There's Jesus in a box. That was, that was fun to find. I can't believe they actually sell that. Um, but here's, here, here's why I throw this. <laughs> All right, you can laugh at the picture. It's a funny picture, okay? <laughs> here's, here's why I put that up there. Oftentimes, we believe in Jesus in a box. We've decided to limit Jesus to be only capable of doing certain things. Instead of being capable to do anything. And Martha, before Jesus challenges her, believes in Jesus in a box. She doesn't believe that Jesus can raise her brother from the dead. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, your brother will rise again. He's saying, hey, guess what's going to come? I'm going to raise him up. And she says, I know he'll raise again at the last day. Here's, here's your limit, okay? You can't really raise people from the dead. That's not your thing. 
You don't have the power to do that. So, you know, that's, that's really nice and comforting. And Jesus pushes her and says, no, I have the power. I am able to do this. When you're ready to believe in his ability to do anything for you, he's going to be ready to do that anything for you. He is God. He is amazing. So here's my next question for you. That's our first one. Do you believe in the unlimited Jesus? Or do you believe in Jesus in a box? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So I'm going to keep moving. Next. Okay, Jesus' deity, we talked about, and Jesus' humanity. Jesus, some of you may have heard this phrase before, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Okay? Jesus' position as God made him unlimited, able to do anything. Jesus' position as a man can be seen in that short verse. John 11:35. Jesus wept. That was maybe a, a challenging thing to understand. Like, doesn't he know if he's God and he's unlimited, of course he knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why is he crying? I don't get it. The way I understand it is this. At this uh, purity conference yesterday, and by the way, guys, this thing was amazing, and there's a guys purity conference coming up on March 14th, and it is going to be amazing, and you need to be there. Absolutely need to be there. Please come talk to me about it afterwards. It was phenomenal. At the end of this conference, they did this skit. And I have seen this skit a number of times. And yet, as I was watching this skit performed, I started to cry. It started to touch me and move me. Even though I knew what was coming. Because my emotions were plugged in and involved and a part of what was going on right there. I didn't hold back my heart to go, oh yeah, okay, this is going to happen, and then Jesus is going to come up and do this in this skit, and yeah, it's going to be nice and wonderful. No, I was dialed in to what was going on. I was sensing the emotion of the skit itself and being involved in that. And here is Jesus seeing the pain in Mary, seeing the pain in the people around her, And just getting involved in that, getting plugged into that, feeling that emotion, that pain, and he cries with them. The beautiful thing is that Jesus feels the same about you. We just got done talking about how important it is to believe in Jesus' plan for you, how he has your best in mind, and you need to trust him even when the times are hard. There's some more good news. He's right there walking through those tough times with you. When you hurt, he hurts with you. It's one thing to have that in your head. It's another thing to believe it. So I'm going to put another question up there. Do you believe that Jesus loves you enough to cry with you? Do you believe that Jesus is involved with you emotionally and that he cares about your every pain, your every hurt, and that he's walking through it with you? Let me finish reading the passage, starting in verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, see he's involved emotionally, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you could always hear me. 
But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. There it is again. This is for their benefit so that they may believe. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. Here's your last blank fill in. Believe in his power. Let's not miss this part of the story. Jesus raised someone from the dead. That's pretty huge. A lot of you have heard that, you know, this story a number of times, maybe even when you were a little kid. You know, sung little songs about it or whatever. But this is a huge thing. He raised someone from the dead. Remember, Martha was challenged to believe in the unlimited Jesus. She hadn't seen him raise anyone from the dead before, so she was doubtful that he could do it. When discussing this passage, people point out that Jesus used Lazarus' name when he raised him from the dead. Some speculate that if Jesus hadn't been specific, a whole bunch of other people would have raised up from the dead too. Very possibly. But while that's possible, I think Jesus used Lazarus' name because he had something specific in mind for Lazarus. Lazarus, you're not done yet. You need to raise from the dead. What about when Jesus calls you? I'm going to have uh, John and Rob come on up. And I want you to listen to this other song. It's called Lazarus. Focus on the words. And I want to ask you these questions. And I want you to think about these questions as they're singing this song. What about when Jesus calls out your name? What about when he's trying to get your attention? Do you listen? Do you follow him? Do you believe in him? Listen to this song. There's a little 
He's calling you. He's calling your name. Are you coming? Do you believe in Jesus' power? How powerful do you think he is? Sure, we all know that he can raise somebody from the dead. It says so in the Bible. But can he help you when your so-called friends are picking on you? Can he take care of that bill that you can't pay? Can he restore the relationship you thought to be completely broken? I've been forced to believe in God's power. When I had come to the point that I was ready to turn my back on him, He had the power to bring a verse to mind that radically changed my life. When I had come to the point of believing that my family was going to be split and relationships had been completely severed and that people didn't love anymore, he had the power to step in and restore those broken relationships and bring us to a deeper love for each other. When I had come to the point of having no clue where our rent was going to come from, Jesus had the power to step in and provide us with exactly what we needed for that month. Now, these may not seem as amazing as raising someone from the dead. But this is Jesus' power at work. Why? Because in the times I was helpless, Jesus intervened. He did what I never could. I'm going to actually put all four of these questions up. And if you haven't written them down already, I want you to flip your paper over. There's there's room on the back right underneath where it says, so what? And if you need to write all of them down, write all of them down. If there's one that's really standing out to you that you need to write down, write it down. Do you believe in his plan Do you believe Jesus has your best in mind? Do you believe in the unlimited Jesus? Or do you believe in Jesus in a box? Do you believe that Jesus loves you enough to cry with you? And do you believe in Jesus' power in your own life? 
It's one thing to believe that he can raise somebody from the dead, but do you believe that he has the power to change your own life, to help you when you need it so desperately? Jesus took these people and pushed them to a deeper faith. He didn't instantly come out with all the answers. He challenged them. So I want to leave you with this. Push yourself. Get a little more of Jesus. Wrestle with these questions this week. Remember, Jesus came so that you might believe. And that's not an easy thing. Make it happen with Jesus' help. He's mighty. He is a mighty, mighty God. God, we're just in awe of who you are. We cannot believe that you care. And yet at the same time, you challenge us to do so. God, you push us so hard and so far to believe in a little more of you. But God, if we take that step, we're going to get more of you as well. And so God, I just ask that you will help us to believe a little bit more. To be challenged a little bit more. To push ourselves to the point of believing even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. Believe that you have a plan for us. Believe that you are God. Believe that you care. Believe that you are powerful. God, help us in our unbelief. Help us in those times when it's hard to believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've got uh, a couple discussion questions on your sheet, and I hope that they really challenge you. But that question that you wrote down or those questions that you wrote down, really process that, and I hope that uh, that encourages you and, and challenges you this week as well.